Good morning, family. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Creekside. It is a blessing to see you all somewhat smiling this morning. Over the last two months, we have been in a series called The Art of Being. The entire idea about being in the presence of God so that we can be transformed by his very nature and then live the way Jesus lived. To begin this message, I want to talk about something else that transforms us. Food. Yeah, dad joke, but thanks for laughing. Uh, We all have a love-hate relationship with food, am I right? We want to eat as much barbecue and pies and ice cream as we want, but we want to be healthy at the same time. But if we really think about food, we think about how so much of what we eat is surrounded by celebration. The 4th of July, for instance, right? Maybe some of your backyards looked like the left and some of you had a plate like is on the right. Beautiful food, amazing. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, yes, I'm starving. Talking about ribs, hot dogs, and burgers in church? Come on. But look at this photo. Mal's just salivating right now at the thought. Unless you're a vegetarian, then I am sorry. (laughs) There is a salad in both photos. I don't know if a Caesar salad is vegetarian, but we don't know. Okay, anyway, food is a staple in our lives, literally a staple. And if we look around this area, we have some amazing restaurants within 20 minutes of one another. Lucille's Barbecue, which you can get something that looks like the photo up there. Makuni, come on now. Orchid Thai, amazing food, 20 minutes away from one another. Family dinners, parties, date nights, all could happen within 20 minutes of one another. We all understand the necessity and fun that comes from food. But there is a good, a bad, and an ugly side of food. The good consists of birthday parties, those once-a-year occasions where we spend way more money at a restaurant we can't really afford to enjoy one meal that we hope we will remember in a month. But not just that. We love celebrating things around food like job uh, promotions, graduation, really anything, right? Finals, I did my taxes. Let's go to Leatherby's, right? We love to do this. We love to celebrate around food. We love to take our special somebody out on a date night, treat them to some good food because good food communicates care. At least that's what we tell ourselves. But with the good side of food, there is also the bad side of food. For some reason in the American culture, we think that it is a right and normal to have three meals a day, and not just three meals, but coffee in the morning, a drink in the evening, and snacks throughout the entirety of the day. This is what we think is normal, but in other parts of the world, three meals, that's not even a thought. But we as Americans not only eat too much, we waste so much. Did you know on average that a family of four in America will 
throw out $1,500 of food. In other words, they go to a grocery store and they buy food, they put it in the fridge. I'm guilty of this, by the way, too. You know, that bag of spinach. You're like, oh, I'm going to eat those. Nah, that's thrown out in about a week, right? That adds up over time. Why? Because we know the foods we should have, the healthy foods, but we'd much rather go to Burger King. We'd much rather eat the things that our bodies are addicted to, the cheap calories. Even with fresh foods in our fridge, our bodies crave sugar, salt, and sweet delights. And we live in a very confusing time because both delicious treats and body image are celebrated in our culture. Look at Netflix, their streaming site. Plenty of different cooking shows where the competition is between these cookers and it's like, oh, everybody's making the most amazing dessert and everybody on the show is this big. That's a lie, okay? Come on now. But then right after you're done scrolling through and seeing all these like amazing chef, right after that is Chris Hemsworth with his shirt off. What is this teaching us? We can't escape from it either. John Mark Comer in one of his sermons uses this analogy where when you're at a grocery store and you're sitting in line, on one side you have magazines about food, right? On one side, you have a pizuki, just how to make the best pizuki ever. And it's creamy. Oh, it looks so good. And of course, the ice cream just drizzled perfectly in the photo. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to go get a pizuki. But then on the other side is Chris Hemsworth with his shirt off again. Right? And I can't think of anybody else. Look at him. Come on now. I can't think of anybody else to talk about without that. Like, Whoa, okay. Anyway, it's on both sides. Both sides, we can't escape from it. But last time I checked, you can't eat a pizookie all day and look like Chris Hemsworth. It's just not possible. So what type of message is this presenting to us every single time we see this? Every single time our kids walk and see Chris Hemsworth on one side, but tasty desserts on the other. This message that we are getting can lead us into a very dark place because we see what beauty and strength is from magazines, but we also love tasty, sweet foods. So it comes as no surprise that around 40% of Americans are obese. And not just that, but we also see eating disorders on the rise. In one statistic this week that I looked at, it said that 80% of children are afraid of becoming fat. 9% of nine-year-olds, nine-year-olds, have exhibited bulimic behaviors. 13% of children have eating disorders by the time they hit adulthood. 47% of females from 5th grade to 12th grade wanted to lose weight because of inaccurate photo representations of women. And to top it all off, there has been a 119% growth in children under 12 being admitted to the hospital because of eating disorders. The way we pursue our desires, our appetites, And our body image needs to change. 
Because far too often, we let the pleasure principle decide what we do, what we eat. What is our greatest desire in that moment is what really drives us. The pleasure principle is this, is when you do only what feels good in the moment. And this is the principle that runs our culture and our lives, and it doesn't just have to do with food. We are overwhelmed from a heavy work day, so instead of resting or getting sleep, we instead binge watch TV. You are feeling like you had a hard day and a little sad, so you grab a pint of ice cream to eat. We're quick to choose pornography instead of pursuing a loving relationship with somebody because it's easier. We are so quick to pursue our greatest desires in a moment that we're not truly asking ourselves, what is my deepest desire? We've become so addicted to the things that are our fleshly desires that we have lost the ability to say no. And sadder than that, we've lost the ability to understand what we truly, truly need because we are so focused on what gives us pleasure in the current moment. We have no control over ourselves with certain desires. We wake up, we grab our phone. We go to the bathroom, we grab our phone. You feel sad, you eat ice cream. You want to escape from the realities of life, you watch TV or you pursue pornography instead of sitting and praying and asking God for the strength to get through the toughness of life. Many of us have lost the ability to battle our flesh. Now, I want to make a distinct in, distinction here between body and flesh. Our bodies are truly a gift from God. Your body is a gift from God. Your flesh is something that is trying to destroy that. Your flesh is these instant pleasures that you are pursuing instead of what really makes you happy. And our flesh ultimately leads us to our own destruction rather than a healthy relationship with our bodies, food, and electronics. And we have a battle going on with inside, inside of us every single day. Every single day, our flesh versus what we know we should do. And today we are going to look at a spiritual practice that honestly is the hardest one to do. It is without a doubt the hardest one to do. But if you do it, it will expose the darkest, deepest sins of your life, but it would also provide a pathway to great healing a pathway to truly trust the Lord. You do not need to be a slave to your stomach, to your lust, or to your desires. You can be set free. Today, we are going to talk about the art of fasting. Fasting, by definition, is our whole body's response to God. Fasting is our way of fighting our flesh and pursuing the peace, grace, and forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ. Richard Foster says that in Scripture, fasting normally means abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. 
John Mark Comer says that fasting is a way of praying within our stomach. He continues and says, fasting is not abstaining or a diet or a health fad. Instead, it is not eating food so you can feed the power of the Holy Spirit. Fasting will show you where your heart truly is. It will show you what you hunger and thirst for. And when you fast, you have to have a reason to fast. I believe the only reason to fast is to grow closer to the heart of God, to grow closer to know that you are loved, but he is the one that sustains you. He is the one that strengthens you. You can do this life the way he intends you to do it. In the sermon to starve the flesh and feed the spirit, a sermon that heavily inspired the sermon today, John Mark Comer says there are three reasons to fast. To starve the flesh and feed the spirit, to pray, and to stand in solidarity with the poor. These are all so true, but they are also the heart of God on display to resist the flesh in us and pursue the spirit of truth, to pray and seek a relationship with God, but then also to recognize that there are those hurting around us. This is the very heart of God. And we see these three reasons played throughout the Bible when it comes to fasting, and not just that, but also throughout the history of the church. In fact, fasting has a very rich history in the early church and even before that. See, the Jewish culture used to fast twice a week. Every Monday and Thursday, sundown on Sunday to sundown on Monday. And the early Christians were like, well, we don't want to follow the Jewish tradition of Monday and Thursdays. Instead, let's just switch it to Wednesday and Fridays, which is not a big change. It's still two days a week where the early church fasted. And it's crazy to me because we can't imagine even fasting from a single meal. We can't. Fasting is not a part of our church culture today unless you're a health nut and there's something called intermediate fasting. But it's not a part of our church culture at all. And that doesn't make any sense to me because if we're meant to be Christians, followers of Jesus, we should mirror what Jesus did. And Jesus himself fasted. In fact, there's a story that right after Jesus' baptism, he is then pushed by the Spirit to go into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. If you have your Bibles, I would love to turn to that story. It's Matthew 4. And in this story, we see what Jesus does when tempted by the devil. Matthew 4. One through four. It says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Notice when the devil comes. It wasn't at the beginning. It was 40 days later. And 40 nights later. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. 
But Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The beautiful thing about this exchange between Jesus and the devil is that it mirrors another story in scripture. The very first pages of the Bible in the Garden of Eden. We see that Adam and Eve were in paradise. Paradise walking with God and God gave them one thing they shouldn't do. Eat a fruit from a tree. And in this story, the devil comes and tempts Adam and Eve, and they eat of the fruit. The very first sin recorded in Scripture had to do with food. So it makes a lot of sense when Jesus begins his ministry, when he goes and does this for 40 days and 40 nights, when he was hungry, the first temptation is food. Because where you and I and Adam and Eve fall, Jesus stands strong. Jesus provides a way for us to live a life that we never thought possible. Why? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus recognized that it's not food that sustains us. It's God. And when we learn to fast, we learn this important truth. That one, our life is not our own. But two, food is not what sustains us. God is. And if you are fasting for any reason other than sitting in the truth of God, there is no point to it. Because honestly, fasting will make you understand what you are a slave to. Fasting will show you the lies that you believe to be truth. Richard Foster says that we crave things so much that we become slaves to them. And it seems to me that fasting is the way of breaking those cravings and finding a new way of life. Finding a way to show ourselves that we can resist our flesh and submit to the Spirit. We see that Jesus does this when he's in the wilderness, when he's hungry. He calls out the false claims of the devil and he clings to the truth of God. Fasting is important because it shows us that we have false treasures, false hopes, and false desires that we think will lead us to happiness, but they don't. But the truth is, when we fast, we get past our greatest pleasures to understand our deepest pleasure. A God that loves you, forgives you, and cares for you. A God that you can trust and rely on to sustain you. And once again, Jesus is the best example of this. In John 4, we see this story that Joel Winger talked about last week in his sermon where Jesus comes to a well and asks a woman for water. And he breaks social barriers. He breaks cultural barriers and asks a Samaritan woman for water. (laughs) And the crazy part about that entire story is the very beginning it said Jesus was thirsty. And if you look... We have no idea if Jesus actually got the water. None. And then right after this story, we see that Jesus goes into town and people are surrounding him and coming around him. And Jesus is showing compassion to them and loving them. We don't think he's had water. He obviously is hungry because in this story, we see that the disciples see him and they're like, oh, we need to urge him to eat. 
And so this is where we pick up the story, is what is sustaining Jesus in this time when he's thirsty and he's hungry? Why does he keep going? In John 4, 31, it says this. It says, meanwhile, his disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. In other words, teacher, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know of. So, of course, his disciples are like, what the heck is he talking about? And the disciples looked at one another and says, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his works. So what was it that was sustaining Jesus when he was hungry and thirsty? It was the power of God. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Fasting reminds us that our life is not our own. It was bought at a price. And it was bought by a beautiful God that loves you so much. And fasting is our way of committing our entire body to God. It's our way of committing our schedules, our stuff, our eating habits fully to a God that loves us so much and wants us to live a life of freedom. And if freedom is found in a life devoted to God, fasting shows us what we're slaves to. Could it be that you're a slave to food? Could it be that you're a slave to your image? Could it be that you're a slave to your phones, to social media? What is it that you are a slave to? What is it in your life that is taking place of God? Fasting will help show you what you are really thirsting for. Fasting will help show you what your flesh is desiring. It could be stuff. It could be that you're envious of a neighbor what they have. It could be food. Maybe you love food a little bit too much and you're recognizing that it's starting to hurt your health. Maybe it's your computer, social media, YouTube, pornography. Put another way, what is your soul thirsting and hungry for? What is it that you recognize is hungry and thirsty for more than you are for God? What is it? Because fasting will show you what really is important to you. Fasting will show you more than any other spiritual discipline what controls you. As Richard Foster says, more than any other spiritual discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside us with good and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. If pride controls us, it will be replaced almost immediately. David writes, I humbled my soul with fasting. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, lust, if they are within us, they will surface during fasting. At first, we will rationalize that our anger is due to our hunger. Then we will realize that we are angry because the spirit of anger is within us. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Christ. 
And nothing can be more true. Nothing. The healing of Jesus Christ is available to us all in every moment of the day. Every single moment. And at times, we have to fast to see and put ourselves in a place where we can be healed by Jesus. When Heidi and I were dating, I told her about a bad habit that I had that I did not want to bring into our marriage. I told her that I was addicted to pornography. I told her that I wanted to go to war with it because I wanted to propose to her, (laughs) but I felt like we couldn't get married unless I proved that I could resist the temptation of porn in my life. So I decided to start with fasting. I decided to do intermediate fasting where I would skip breakfast. And the hard part about that is I was working at a Christian camp and it was in our off season, which means all day we were chopping down trees and moving brush. And we did most of that between eight and 12. So I was exhausted. I was hungry. But in that time when I would want to lust or when I would get angry, I I would just pray and ask the Spirit to give me strength. And this pattern became the habit in my life when my flesh longed for something that I knew was wrong, I would pray and ask the Spirit for strength to resist it. And I would also grab my phone and call people that I know would pray for me in a moment and that I could say, hey, I need someone to talk to because I'm home alone, I'm exhausted, here's what's going on, help me out. They're like, okay, let's talk. But this is the pattern in my life that the Holy Spirit used to allow me to have healing over something that I never thought I would have healing in. It is the way that the Spirit came in and helped me gain strength over an addiction that I was terrified had too much grip on my soul. Fasting from food sets us up to starve the flesh so that we can feed the Holy Spirit. So when we are tempted, we can be like Jesus and proclaim that my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So when we are tempted, because we will be tempted, Jesus was tempted, we'll be tempted too. When our flesh is weak, There's a Bible verse that says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because we're relying solely on the Holy Spirit. When we do that, when temptation comes, we can stand and say, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. Fasting will help show you what your soul really hungers and thirsts for. And I pray that your soul will hunger and thirst for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Holy One of Israel. Out of all the spiritual practices, fasting is the most difficult. But don't be afraid of it. Some of the hardest things in life lead to the most beautiful stories and the most beautiful healings. So before we learn to run with fasting. 
learn to walk. I want to explain a few different timelines of fasting. And for that purpose, the first three I'm going to present to you are fasting from food, as we've talked about, only drinking water. If you can't skip a meal, it is okay. Find something else to fast from. This is about a heart posture before God. So here are a few ways to fast. Intermediate fasting. This is one that you could do every single day, and I actually recommend it, especially if you're trying to get over addiction in your life. Intermediate fasting has become really popular in the diet culture. It takes place from dinner one night until lunch the next day. In other words, 7 or 8 p.m. to 11 or 12 the next day. And this is a great place to start if you want to fast from food. It's one meal or a couple snacks as well. But you will see the desires of your stomach to eat. You will see the desires of your flesh to want to get food. When you feel that, use it as an opportunity to pray. Use it as an opportunity to say, Jesus, please give me strength because I cannot do this on my own. And once you do a couple of intermediate fastings, I then recommend that you move up to 24 hours. There's nothing wrong with starting with 24 hours. I'm just trying to give easy steps. But when I say 24 hours, I mean the night before to the night of. Sundown to sundown. This is a great place to continue to move towards devoting an entire day to pray and fast. When you begin to feel weak in this time, or when you begin to want food, pray. Ask the Spirit to guide you, to feel you. Feed the Holy Spirit. And after doing some 24-hour fasts, you could step it up to a 72-hour fast. I do not recommend you start with a 72-hour fast if you've never fasted before. It is not pleasant. I will be honest. Learn to walk before you run. The interesting thing about a 72-hour fast, though, is that there are actually medical benefits from it. The medical benefits include, but are not limited to, getting waste out of your system, rejuvenating your blood vessels, giving you a boost of energy, your HGH levels go up, your body's healing power increases, killing disease-causing microbes and strengthening protective bacteria, which help reduce inflammation and helps with recovery. So not only is there medical proof that fasting is good for you, but there is spiritual proof of years of church history doing this. So like I said, I do not recommend doing a fast for any other reason other than drawing closer to God. But if you wanted scientific proof that fasting is good for you, there you go. I do not recommend you start with a three-day fast. But if God is leading you in that direction, that's between you and God. There are five other time frames I want to share with you. I do not recommend that these timelines be fasting from food, fast from television, social media, or desserts, or video games instead. These five other time frames are a week, a month, 40 days, six months, and a year. 
The reason I say do not make these fasting from food is you could survive if you do the first three, fasting and only drinking water. You can. But our bodies need food after two or three months. So do not go six months. You won't survive. All right? Sorry to say. Well, I mean, anything's possible with God. I don't know. We can talk about that later. With these time frames, I just recommend that you stop a hobby. Stop a hobby. Get off social media. Do something that you know is taking time away from God in your life. Now, obviously, the definition of fasting that I've brought up is about food, but you can fast from your stuff. In fact, I would encourage you weekly, turn off your phone for 24 hours. You will recognize how much power this little tool has in your life because you'll get up to go to the bathroom and you'll go, where's the thing I stare at instead of going to the bathroom? Why do we do that? (laughs) Why do we have that urge in our lives? We are called to fast to mere Jesus. And in Jesus' day, they knew how to break fasts. One of the things that you may be thinking about when doing a fast is, how do I break the fast? Can I just eat whatever I want? No, don't eat whatever you want right after your fast. It will really mess your stomach up. If you're going to do a 24-hour fast or more, break your fast with a meal of fruits and vegetables because it will line your stomach. It will be healthier for you in the long run. This will help your stomach be at ease when you eat other things. With all that said, I want you to consider what God might be calling you to. Could it be that God is calling you to do what the early church did and fast twice a week, 24-hour days? Maybe you want to fight a bigger addiction and God is calling you to fast from breakfast every single morning. I can't tell you what to do. This is between you and God. But make no mistake, if you choose to fast, you will enter into something that will push you and show you what really desi- what you are really desiring in life. I want to give you a quote by Dallas Willard as we're heading towards the end of the sermon. If nothing else, though fasting will certainly demonstrate how powerful and clever our body is in getting its own way against our strongest resolve. Hence, when Jesus directs us not to appear distressed or sad when we fast, he is not telling us to mislead those around us. He is instead explaining how we will feel. We, will really, we really will not be sad. We are discovering that life is so much more than meat or bread. Our body is not, our belly is not our God as it is for others. Rather, it is his joyful servant and ours. When we fast, this is what happens. This is what we are inviting you into this week, to learn that your belly and your desires are not your God. The invitation this week is that I want you to take one day, sun up to sundown, to fast from something. Could be food, could be your phone, could be your TV. Fast from something. I am being very like trying to be very clear in this that if you have a medical condition do not skip food for a full day 
put your phone down for 24 hours. But if you want to fast together in this as a family, join me on Tuesday. I'm going to be fasting from food for the entire day, 24 hours, really Monday night to Tuesday night. And at elders meeting, I will break the fast. (laughs) But let's do this as a family and let's do this together. Sun up or sundown to sundown. Join me this week as we fight our flesh and feed our spirit. And as we enter into a time of prayer and worship after, I want to pray a section of Psalm 63 over us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, thank you so much for the art of fasting. Thank you for the ability to starve our flesh and feed the spirit. Lord, I pray that Psalm 63 would be the longing of our hearts. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadows of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Lord, through fasting, I pray that we would know it is you that holds us. It is you that strengthens us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.